This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Uh, Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. As we always do after big tournaments, major championships, we are on TSN 2 this morning as well on TSN 1050. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks here in studio. When was the last time, Bob, that we did a radio on TV show in studio? Together, uh, I would think maybe a year ago. Because normally I'm flying home from the majors. We don't yeah. go to the open the last couple of years, and uh, so I think that might be. I I can't think of anything else. I know, I know. I'm trying to think maybe a playoff event last year. I, I possibly, possibly. I know we haven't had a show the three of us around the table, radio on TV, in quite some time. The three of us, of course, being Mark Zacchino, who now joins <laughs> us on the line. Mark, good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm good, gentlemen, and I'm starting to think in my head, are the three of us going to be able to get around the desk for radio to TV on the Monday after Memphis? Because I'm not going to Memphis. I am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> well, and I'm going to Chicago. Yeah. So there goes that. So yeah. there goes that. Okay. How are you, boys? We're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a, a busy show uh, today. We're with you, Mark. We're going to discuss uh, the Open Championship. The major season on the men's side is now over. A little later in the show and throughout the week here on GTC, we're going to preview the Evian Championship. Brooke Henderson defending her title, looking for major number. So we'll have much more on that later in the show and throughout the week as well. Stuart McDonald, who won on PGA Tour Canada, going to join us in our two winner of the Ottawa Open. But first, let's hit it with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. So, Mark, people on social media were complaining that the Open Championship was... Maybe not very entertaining, but some would make that argument because of the dominating performance by Brian Harmon. Just in terms of uh, his performance itself, just how how special was that and how dominating was it uh, for Brian Harmon at the Open Championship? Well, I, you know, it's hard to argue with them, right, guys? I mean, we didn't really have much to watch. We didn't have much. Uh, I listened to it on, on the radio, on Open Championship Radio most of the day, caught the end. Uh, but there really wasn't much to watch. I think the lead on Saturday got down to two shots. And when it got down to two, he immediately got the lead back, put the hammer down, and, and spread the gap again. It was it seemed to be a one-man race. If you take Harmon off the leaderboard, it's a pretty good major championship we've got there with a bunch of guys at seven and six under and big names that would have been fighting it out down the stretch. But I'm with them. And, and Adam, you text me yesterday, and I, I didn't, wasn't really thinking about it at the time because I was only thinking about the Open Championship. But this could be, in terms of just drama, excitement, captivating television, and we could throw the Players' Championship into the mix on this one as well because of what Scotty Scheffler did there potentially the worst season of major championship golf when it comes to drama, must-see TV. I mean, it was kind of a snooze fest, which is funny because the PGA Tour season, Canadian Open, Detroit, etc., like going back to the, the West Coast swing, PGA Tour season has been exceptional, but the majors 
have really not provided us much. Yeah, I think probably the PGA might have been mm-hmm. the closest one, right? That had uh, at least you know, they kept it into the, the last few holes where something could have happened, although Brooks Kepka wasn't really going to give that one away. Um, but going back to Brian Harmon, maybe maybe he's not getting enough credit for how well he played. I mean, if this had been Tiger or Rory, we would have been sort of gushing over what he achieved and how he achieved it. I thought this was just like almost surgical how we went around this golf course, especially on the weekend. Bob, that's the word, isn't it? I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I hadn't thought of that term yet. I, you know, you use words like plotter and precise and, uh, you know, just kind of like navigating your way around. But surgical, I think, is a great term to use here because he needs to play that way. And I think the reason we're not gushing is there's nothing a lot sexy about Brian Harmony. He hasn't hit it far. He's not a big guy. He's five, six hundred and a half at best, soaking wet. Um, there's nothing here that, you know, is going to sell, sell magazines, so to speak, you know, uh, you're, you're not putting uh, butts in seats with Brian Harmon. And it's unfortunate because you're right. This, this was an incredible performance, 58 of 59 inside 10 feet. <laughs> I mean, think about that putting performance. He missed one putt inside 10 feet on you know, these are not the smoothest greens in the world uh, when we play Lynx Championship Golf. Uh, they, they, he, they went through a bunch of different uh, speeds for the week. You know, when they were drier earlier in the week, soaked by the time we got to Sunday, um, and much slower by the time we got to Sunday. And when you think about the fact that he was avoiding three putts and making, you know, almost perfect inside 10 feet for four days, I mean, wow. I mean, it's hard hard to beat that that's clutch putting and and he kept it in the fairway you know which you had to do avoided the bunkers bob you and i were talking about that at saturday when we were out of glen abbey how he just has you know before he teed off on 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 saturday he managed to you know just avoid every pot bunker on that golf course it seems so um yeah if this was anybody else if this was jason day rory mcelroy john rom right now on top of that leaderboard uh with this type of win we'd all be losing our minds and for a guy who hit two balls in the bunker all week, only two shots went in the bunker all week. One of them was on the 72nd hole when the tournament was already well over. Now, you mentioned that he only missed one putt inside of 10 feet all week. That came on the 13th hole in Sunday's final round. Only missing one putt inside 10 feet really works well for the Ryder Cup, where Brian Harmon is now third in the U.S. team standings. He very well, I would say, was going to be on that squad now in Italy. What do you expect from Brian Harmon here, not only for the rest of the season, Mark, but for the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Well, I mean, we're going to get into some situations out. The Ryder Cup's going to be an interesting one, guys, because he, yes, he's an incredible putter, but he also doesn't bring a lot of firepower off the tee. And he doesn't have a ton of international team experience. This isn't a guy that used to be, you know, an absolute regular on President's Cup, Ryder Cup, that's now coming back to the fold. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into that team. For the remainder of the playoffs and the rest of the year, I mean, we're getting into some big ballparks again, right? Uh, he's a great player, been out there for 12 years, but you know, the result this is only his third career win. So I don't think we can get. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to get into some ballparks now where the power of a Rory McIlroy, uh, you know, the, the speed of some of these guys, you know, even a Wyndham Clark for that matter, that are inside the top 10 are going to be huge assets when we get to places where, you know, flying a golf ball, 310, 320 is going to be a big advantage. We'll see. 
I got to like guys right now. I know we're going to put in our picks this week for Minnesota and then we'll do Wyndham and then the playoffs will start uh, with the way Sepp Straka is playing right now. And the way he played last year in Memphis, with the exception of the the worst golf swing I saw all year last year on the PGA Tour in the playoff, with the exception of that one swing, hard to really not like Sepp Straka when we get to Memphis, knowing what he did there last year and knowing the way he's playing right now. I, I think we got to keep our eyes on that one. You know, the uh, yeah, the last time uh, Brian Harmon played in any team competition international, I think it was the Walker yeah. Cup when he was back as an amateur golfer. I would think he'd be great in alternate shot if you can sync it up so he gets uh, – uh, he doesn't have to hit off the long holes and can use that putter as he did on the, on the weekend. But um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what his pal and the uh, captain, Zach Johnson, does there. Mark, in your mind, though, switching subjects just a bit, who is the guy, who is the player that you're most, I don't know, disappointed in, I guess, in terms of this event and perhaps the major season? Like, don't we have to go with Rory McIlroy again, guys? Exactly. I mean, he came in off a heater in, in Scotland. Uh, uh, he was so good at finishing off that Genesis. And, you know, did he get kind of in the mix, you know, on the Sunday again? Well, that's, isn't it the traditional Rory McIlroy backdoor top 10, almost, what was it, a backdoor top, uh, almost a backdoor top five uh, this time? Uh, it ends up being T6. So, but we're kind of back to the same story. And he got off to a decent start. It wasn't the Thursday. And I know, Bob, you and I have been kind of harping on him getting out of the gates on a Thursday. He, I thought he got out of the gates fine this week, but just really sustained no momentum on Friday and Saturday. And we're, we're back to the staring at the putter, staring at Harry, going, you know, why can't I make anything? Um I think overall from a major championship season, another year goes by and another year goes by with Rory still not winning a major. And unfortunately, he's, in my opinion, guys, he's got to carry that around with him again. And the conversation is going to get even bigger when we get to April. Uh, for me, I think you know clearly for him, for just this event, I was disappointed in John Rahm's behavior, to be honest with you. I, I didn't really, you know, I know he's fiery, and I know when you when you have passion and you want passion from your athletes, sometimes it comes with the, you know, the other side of that coin. But, I mean, come on, John, you're playing in a group with Rory McIlroy. You've got a star-studded group uh, to, to kick off Thursday, and you're upset at, you know, cameras, players, uh, patrons, etc. By the way, Scotland has some of the most respect, uh, respectful golf fans in the planet. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about his after after round comments on Thursday, but I'm like, you know, after he won the Masters, I feel like John Rob's almost taken the rest of the season off. Maybe he needs to look in the mirror and say, hey, if you want, you know, he, he he's another one that waited, you know, too long to get in this championship. Maybe he should have been grinding it out a little bit more this summer. Yeah, you wonder when Rom made those comments, he had just missed a three-foot putt on the 18th hole. Maybe he was still uh, unhappy about that. And for Rory McIlroy, 20 top 10s at majors since that last dub in 2014. Seven top 10s in his last eight majors. But you know what the good thing is? There's only 265 days until the Masters mark, so we can talk all about this so much, right? Right? Yeah, there's too much time now. <laughs> and you know he's going to play great in the Ryder Cup. He always does because... What, 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 you know, and I've got my own uh, personal experience in this. Uh, and, and I see players like Ian Poulter is a perfect example of this. There are some players when and they get in that match play scenario 
And look at the way Rory putted this year in the, in the WGC match play. Some guys can flip a switch in their brain when they're putting for a match play. They hit the putt with a little bit more speed. They take a little less break. They use the backboard at the back of the cup because the match play brain says, I don't need to worry about the one coming back. The match play brain says, I need to hold this putt. And Rory is right up there with one of the greatest match play putters in the world. Uh, Ian Poulter is probably the best example. Uh, never made a thing when, he, when it counted anywhere outside of the Ryder Cup. But at the Ryder Cup, somehow he's Superman and, and can make everything. And I think Rory will probably have an epic Ryder Cup in Rome. And we'll be calling it you know, Rory's team when we get to Rome and when we leave Rome. And then it'll be, okay, can this translate anywhere else? And to your point, Adam, we got forever and a day between now and Augusta to, to exhaust this topic with Rory. And for all we know, guys, he wins another uh, FedEx Cup. Would it surprise any of us if, he, if we left Eastlake and he was hoisting another trophy? Wouldn't surprise me at all. Just doesn't change anything. Or, uh, or he might win the European Tour one in Dubai as well. So yeah. he can maybe do the double again. Uh, <laughs> You know, I want to ask you something. At the start of this year, if you had asked me if the Ryder Cup was going to be competitive, I would have said, no, it's going to be a whitewash for the Americans. I'm, I'm changing my opinion a little bit right now. I don't know about you, Mark, but, but I think that the European team might uh, surprise a few people. Yeah, I, if you guys recall, at the end of last year, we'll have to go back and see if we can grab the audio. We did our year-in-review, year-wrap-up shows, and we did predictions for 2023. And one of my predictions was that uh, the European team will upset the Americans on Roman soil in come Ryder Cup 2023. So now I I thought it was a bigger prediction when I made it because I was really kind of under the assumption that there was going to be, I was just, I was just expecting a bit of a youth injection into that team and I was expecting a few faces to come to the forefront then that we weren't anticipating. And maybe that's happened a bit. And I also expected that Rory and Rob Fitzpatrick would have great years. It hasn't happened for Fitzpatrick, but Fleetwood, I think, is certainly maybe one of those guys. And there's a couple other names in there. They'd love to get an Italian on the team. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but, Bob, I'm with you. My, my upset prediction I don't think is as big of an upset to your point as what it was, you know, in November of last year when I made it. I think now, although the Americans still clearly the favorite, you know, I don't think it's as weighted as heavy as it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, back in the fall. And look at the leaderboards. To your point, Bob, look at the leaderboards of some of the big events this year and some of those European names that have played well in majors that have poked uh, uh, poked their head up in there um, in these big events. It's starting to become uh, a regular. I- I'm looking for. I can't wait for Ryder Cup. Well, right now on FanDuel, Mark, I just looked. The Europeans <laughs> are a plus 185 underdog on FanDuel to win the Ryder Cup, the U.S. minus 170, and for a tie, plus 1,100. So the most value there for a tie, obviously. Okay, Mark, before we go to break, I, uh, I want to get your opinion on the golf course, on Royal Liverpool. What did you think overall of the golf course as a whole, and in particular, that 17th hole? I don't really know how to feel yet about 17, because I, I like a diabolical hole like that that, you know, that can really change – the potential leader. I love 17 at Sawgrass, right? Like, I mean, 
the, the thing about 17 and Sawgrass is, though, if you hit a quality shot 99.9% of the time, it's going to get rewarded. Have we seen a couple of years where maybe a good shot peeled off the slope and pulled into the water at 17? Yes, but they've softened that slope over the years at Sawgrass, and we don't really see that anymore. So I think 17 is a very fair hole. I mean, it's 130, 140 yards. You hit the island green, great. If you don't, you get penalized. You're supposed to be one of the best in the world. You should hit a green from there. This was kind of borderline for me in the sense that I loved how difficult it was. I loved how it could flip a leaderboard. But there were some good shots that I thought got penalized. The edges were a little sharp. So I'm kind of on the fence on it, which I hate being. I'd rather just give you an opinion. But... Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know yet. I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on 17. The course itself, guys, I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got great golf courses like Turnberry that aren't being used for the Open Championship. We've already been to Northern Ireland and Royal Portrush. Why haven't we had an Open Championship, or why isn't Royal County down on the mm-hmm. schedule? That, that might be the number one golf course in the world, and it's not on the schedule. We've already broken the seal on Northern Ireland. Why can't we put two Northern Ireland courses in the rotation? Uh, Hoy Lake, to me, the time has passed. You've got in-course, in out-of-bounds on yeah. 3 and 18. Whole location on 18 on Thursday, front right. It looks like 20 feet from an out-of-bounds line. Hokey, stupid. If you built those holes today, they'd hang the architect in the parking lot. I love Lynx Golf, but there is, you know, there are great Lynx Golf courses not being used. I think it's time to shake it up. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure set up, too, and the weather it was playing a little soft, too. I'm curious if it was playing baked out like when Tiger won in 06, how it would have changed. Well, Mark, I know you've got a big, big day ahead of you. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll talk to you again Wednesday for radio. Yep, uh, talk to you both, boys. I'll be, I'll, I'll be back in the host chair right. for Wednesday. Thanks for carrying it again today. A few more weeks, guys, and then we get to exhale. Have a great day. <laughs> okay. See you, Mark. That is the Z-Man Golf, and he's got a big day ahead of him. Uh, on the other side, debriefing Brian Harmon's win, and I want to get your opinion, too, on Royal Liverpool, because I thought it was interesting. I didn't mind it. I didn't uh, mind it, too. I didn't mind it, too. It was a little hokey-pokey, but a little interesting. We'll get into that and much more next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. This is our first open recap show of the week. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks here in studio, as we always are after majors, both on television, TSN 2, and, of course, on TSN 1050. Brian Harmon, the winner of the 151st Open Championship. He opened the week with 120-to-1 odds to win outright. We talk about three handicap, Bob, by the way. Winner, winner, chicken dinner yeah. with our three handicap picks this week. It's been a couple weeks for us, so we, yeah. you know, it was the law of percentages, right? We we had we had to get back on that pogo stick. So we out uh, back uh, back on top for us three handicap. But Brian Harmon, the champion at the Open Championship. Let's hear from Brian Harmon. I've always had uh, self belief that 
that I could do something like this. It was just, you know, when it takes so much time, you know, it's hard not to let your, you know, your mind falter. Like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not winning again. I'm 36 years old, game's getting younger, all these young guys coming out, you know, hit it a mile and they're all ready to win. Like, when is it gonna be my turn again? And um, it's been it's been hard to deal with. I mean, I, I, I think someone mentioned that I've had more top tens more top tens than anyone since 2017. So that's a lot of times like where you get done and you're like, damn it, man. Like I had that one. I, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. So um, yeah, to, to come out and put a performance like that together, like start to finish, you know, just, just had a lot of control. I, I don't know why this week, but I, I'm very thankful that it was this week. Over 2,200 days since his last victory on the PGA Tour. For Brian Harmon, what impressed you the most about his performance? Uh, two things. One, that he was able to keep it out of the bunkers and did not hit a fairway bunker. And as we pointed out, he only hit two greenside bunkers. and Both times he got up and down. I think the, and the resiliency where on Saturday, both Saturday and Sunday, he got off with a couple of early bogeys. And, you know, it seemed like maybe everything could fall off the rails. And it didn't. He responded with uh, with birdies and and just kind of kept grinding around, around. And even though people didn't like the regrip, regrip, regrip thing, I think that staying inside his comfort zone with his pre-shot routine and not getting ahead of himself, I think was was key to to the victory. Yeah, and staying in his process of you know that pre-shot routine, that sort of thing. You mentioned resilience and. There were some calls from uh, people in the crowd uh, wanting other people to win, maybe calling him some bad names. And Harmon was asked after the final round, after he was holding the Claret Jug, what was motivating him down the stretch to win? After I made the second bogey yesterday, a guy, when I was passing him, he said, Harmon, you don't have the stones for this. That helped. That was the, that was the motivation? Yeah, that helped a lot. I think he was a uh, – anyway, that, that helped. I mean, it, it just helped snap me back in like, you know, that I, I'm good enough to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through my process, and the next shot's going to be good. And you could really tell, too, even standing on the 72nd tee, he wasn't smiling. He had about 29 gloves in his umbrella, but, <laughs> right. but he wasn't smiling. Him and his caddy were – they were in their process, and he even said it after the round. He only, like, let it – feel outwardly anyway that he knew he was winning this tournament after the greenside bunker shot on 18. That was the first time I thought all week that you saw a smile on his face after yeah. the shot. And then he looked at his caddy, gave it a big beam, and and uh, and really just, okay, now it's mine. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's good. It's, it's impressive for a guy of that stature, impressive of that guy of that with a track record, um, you know, not to take anything away from him. As he said, he's had all those top tens more than anybody in 2017, but his win factor was, what, two wins. So mm-hmm. um, I think it was pretty impressive for him to, to sort of put all that together and make the win. Would you say, too, that perhaps he really won this tournament in the second round on Friday? He shot 65. He beat the field average by eight and a half shots. It was a, a jumbled-up leaderboard. He goes out Friday early Eastern time, post 10 under through two rounds, and... He had this huge lead for the rest of the weekend, really. It was, but I think you have to sustain it. So I yeah. think you know, it's hard to – obviously, that was the key round, I think, but you still have to sustain those things. And, and you know, Saturday was supposed to be a crummy day. It turned out to be not a bad day. So you think somebody could maybe catch up as John Rahm did. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, <laughs> catching up is relative, obviously. 
Um, but then in Sunday when he admitted that he didn't like the rain, doesn't like the wet weather, didn't like to play in it, and he still comes through and, uh, and plays just a real, as I said, sort of a surgical round. It really was surgical throughout the week. The first Open champion to lead by five or more shots after round two, three, and four since Henry Cotton in 1934. Whoa. So talk about history there for Brian Harmon winning by six shots the Open Championship. On the other side, we're going to get into the golf course, Royal Liverpool, and some of the notables who came up short yet another year where Rory McIlroy doesn't win a major championship. What's next? We'll discuss that and much more next right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GT is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We are recapping the Open Championship. A little later in the show, we're going to take a look ahead to the Evian Championship. Brooke Henderson looking for her third career major championship. Also defending the title this week. We'll look back on last year, the fond memories that was last year. And we'll look ahead to this week as well. Stuart McDonald, the latest champion on PGA Tour Canada, will join us on the line in about 45 minutes time or so, but we just played the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. Tiger Woods won in 2006. Rory McIlroy won in 2014. Two very different golf courses. Now Brian Harmon, the latest champion at this course. Overall, what were your impressions of Royal Liverpool? Uh, I like Royal Liverpool. I've I've been I covered two Opens there, and uh, I enjoyed it. I know there are some harsh parts to it. The it probably has more fairway bunkers than I think that are in play than mm. most of the other. Uh, that are on the rotation. I think also the way the bunkers were the first day, they had to adjust. You know, they were flat, so balls were getting up against the wall, and you had guys like Tony Finau just putting it three feet to try. So he had a second shot or a third shot. Uh-huh. Um, I thought the internal out of bounds got a lot of attention, and I don't think it was as big a deal. There's lots of other there's other courses that have mm-hmm. tons a lot of bounds. Port Rush, yeah, first hole. We found that, and uh, there's another one on the rotation too that has it. But this one was the most uh, obvious because it's right on the 18th hole, and it really did jut out. And um, you know, you saw Ricky Fowler put two out there, but those were two bad swings rather than mm-hmm. internal out of bounds. And um, uh, Adam Scott hit one out uh, out of bounds. Both Sam both Burns. ways too. Yeah, one left, one right. That's right. <laughs> Sam Burns hit one. Out of there, so I think there's, um, I think you can overreact to the golf course. I didn't mind it. I thought it was a decent course. Not my favorite, but I don't think I think there are ones that I like less on the rotation. Yeah, I found uh, when it was in 2014 and Rory McIlroy won on that Saturday charge with those closing par fives. I thought that was really cool. The fact that they were three shot holes, really, uh, especially Sunday, given the temperature, the weather, that that was. Uh, going to happen. The internal out of bounds on 18, given where the pin was, as Mark was mentioning in uh, our first segment, 35 feet away from pin to out of bounds. So that seemed maybe a, a little strange, but, you know, internal out of bounds. You mentioned Royal Portrush. Rory McIlroy makes quad on the first hole. J.B. Holmes hits it out of bounds in the final round of the second-to-last group. Shot 87 in that final round. Professional golfer, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it was entertaining. I thought it was fine. And how about the 17th hole? 
So the 17th hole was, you know, was rebuilt before yeah. before this, and they they object was they wanted to have some drama. The finishing holes weren't all that exciting at the Liverpool. That's what the RNA felt. And so this one is a completely different hole. I mean, the actual order of the golf course this time compared to last time was changed a little mm-hmm. bit too. And the 17th hole was supposed to be one where there could be greatness or disaster. And I don't know if it achieved that. I think basically basically you didn't need a, a pin on that hole because everyone was just going right for the middle of it. <laughs> you know, they weren't t- there's no way you can you can risk having the fall off and it didn't show it on television, but those fall offs on either side were were deep. I mean, you if you were in the bunker on the right-hand side of the green, you couldn't see the flag, the top of the flag. You couldn't mm-hmm. see anything. That's how severe it was. So I don't know if they really achieved what they were hoping for to make it a bit more a little more drama in there just because the guys always just kind of played safe. Yeah, in the first round, Lucas Herbert was three understanding on that tee, made triple. Tommy Fleetwood, who couldn't buy a putt for the life of him throughout the weekend. Did, we didn't see the tee shot on 17, right. but the broadcast showed him where he was in outer space. It looked like he had missed the green, <laughs> and he had absolutely no shot. But to your point, I mean, it, it penalized tough shots, but if you just hit it in the middle of the green, you'd be fine yeah, every day on that hole. Easier said than done. Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. As you've just pointed yeah. out some of those guys. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, totally. But, um, yeah, looking forward to, you know, next time Royal um, Liverpool, it's, you know, we see different golf. That's the point of the Open Championship, sure. right? You know, we want to see some different setups, some different layouts. We want to see carnage. We want to see weather. And that's where some of the notables came in. And John Rahm, who barely really made the cut, post a Saturday 63 to really get himself in the mix. As Mark was saying, he showed some frustration really in Sunday's final round. There were a couple of times where the, the mic caught him, not swearing, but he was certainly frustrated. Uh, before we talk about John Rahm's runner-up finish, let's hear now from John Rahm. Good golf takes care of things. Right? John, so. you mentioned some missed putts the first couple of days. Do you go back to those or do you no. write this off as one of those weeks no. where one guy plays with better than No. Golf. He won by six. Huh? He won by six. It's not like he won by two or three. He won by six. So there's nothing really any of us what could have done. Weeks? There's nothing any of us could have done. Well, he's never shy about his opinions I at know. all. But you know, playing with Rory in the first two rounds and Justin Rose, he really he kind of played himself out of the tournament. He would have had to shoot another 64, 63 just to win this thing. But overall, what did you think of John Rahm this past week? Uh, I thought he he was John Rahm. Yeah. Sort of, you know, a little hot. When he doesn't play all that well, he gets frustrated, and that's understandable. He's a world-class player. He's a guy who expects to play well every single time. And I think that there was some uh, some frustration with how he was playing. And then the one time when he walked off the, co- the course and he had, as you said, had just had a th- I think he had just three It was a three-putt, yeah. And uh, was frustrated by the cameras and the people who were in his way as they were following Rory. So... Those kind of things, I think, are John Rahm. He expresses himself outwardly, whereas a lot of other people might have just kept it in there and maybe let loose in the locker room or something afterwards. Although they had a TV camera in the locker room for most of the week, as we'll get into later. Yeah, that's on. right. But, um, but I do think that uh, I, I think that's what makes John Rahm successful is that he gets that fire going, and when he channels it properly, like he did on Saturday, man, it's it's fun to watch. It really is, and you know the way he can shape shots, and and he's just got that short swing that he just accelerates the ball so well, and it's it is his best ever finish at the Open Championship. His previous best finish was a T three a couple of years ago. Now this is a runner up finish. 
Of course, the big story heading into the week was Rory McIlroy winning the Scottish Open the way he did, birdieing the final two holes. Was this the week he could finally do it on Sunday? No. But Rory McIlroy, another good finish at a major championship, T6. Let's hear now from Rory McIlroy. Over the last two years, would I have loved to have picked one of those off that I finished up there? Absolutely. But um, every time I tee it up, uh, or you know, most times I tee it up, I'm... I'm right there, so um, you know I can't, I can't sit here and be too frustrated. My game's in a, you know, you think about my performances in the majors between like 2016 and 2019, you know, it's it's a lot better than that. So um, you know, I'm again, I'm optimistic about the future, and uh, I just got to keep plugging away. That's a pretty interesting mindset to have. He's he's uh, he's got a level head on his shoulders. He could have been rattled maybe perhaps and it was a tough day out there to score he was he also said that his driver was going 30 40 50 yards shorter because of water on the club face and and just the the conditions itself but where does Rory go from here well the only place you can go and that's back to the tee and uh, the next major in and what was it 226 265 65 days at Augusta National where the talk will be all about him again to trying to complete the grand slam and I think after a while it can you know, the talk of when, when, when can kind of wear you down. I think Rory has somehow figured out how to deal with that. And, and what we just heard there is part of it. It's You can sit there and come off the, the golf course and say, oh, man, like this is another major. When am I going to win one? But he's taking it in a positive attitude saying, look, I've been in the top ten in seven of the last eight majors. I played some great golf in major championships. And one of these days everything's going to align and I'm going to get one of these things. And I don't think anybody ever – I don't think there's anybody who thinks that he can't win another major like his time has passed. He's only 36, I think, 35, 36. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's – even though it's been a 10-year drought and it has been going into the 10th year, it's, it's not at the point where he's so worried that, uh, that there's just not going to be anything left in the tank or, you know, I'm going to finish up with four major championships. I just don't think that's the way he thinks. Yeah, Rory McIlroy. So he turned 34 this past May, and you look at a guy like Phil Mickelson, who won all of his majors after turning that age. So, I mean, you never know. It just takes one something to change. You wonder, you know, we've done these essays for years heading into the Masters, how, and we talk about Rory's preparation, how, you know, whether he goes and plays 72 holes at Augusta the week before and tries to take some time off. Maybe, you know, this series shows up on Wednesday afternoon and says, all right, I'm going to put the peg in the ground and see what happens next, right? One of the things he's done is he stopped taking on the role as savior of the PGA yeah. Tour in terms of, like, he doesn't go into the press room now, you know, because he knows what the, what the talk's going to be. And I think that wears him down totally. for a tournament. So now he's just kind of focused on the golf and let somebody else uh, handle it. Dirty yeah. business. Yeah. When uh, looking ahead now to the FedEx Cup, Rory actually has the second shortest odds to win the FedEx Cup, which would be FedEx Cup number four. And of course, we'll have a full uh, preview of that as the summer progresses for Rory McElroy. Another cool story from the week that was at Royal Liverpool was Tom Kim, who, let's just say, after his first round, didn't have the kindest of times walking took a weird step off a patio that was the story anyway tore something in his ankle this was shades bob of tony finau at the masters back in 2019 yeah and uh and yet you know the the tom kim that we've been sort of waiting for to show up uh once again just like he did a year ago scottish open and then open championship and and there he is i mean it's a pretty remarkable performance if he was as injured as 
we believe he was, mm -hmm. to, to finish up in the second place. I mean, that's pretty remarkable for any young guy without a lot of experience in this stuff as well. Well, let's hear Tom Kim's perspective on what it was like playing through that injury. I took off my cast and kind of saw and we actually got a lot better, which was really, really nice to see. Um, no, but my team and my medic team have done a great job of protecting it and uh, making sure it's not moving as much as possible. So obviously c coming down the stretch of a major when you're just, you know, when you're playing well, the adrenaline kind of hits and yeah. make sure you're kind of in it. So it was kind of nice to almost kind of forget about it a little bit because when you're in the moment, you don't really think about it. And, you know, I walked by, I think today was probably the best it's been out of the three days. So um, kind of relieved. Well, there's the expression, beware the injured golfer. There's also the expression, beware the hungover golfer, but right. don't, don't think he was hungover here. But, uh, I mean, you would think, too, even walking in soggy conditions, that wouldn't go so hot for a bum ankle or bum foot, would it? Yeah, I don't know how soggy the conditions get over there too much because the ground is so yeah, hard to begin with, but yeah. you're right. Listen, just walking has got to be painful or, 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 or and, and just trying to, um, you know, sometimes when you get an injury like that, when you're swinging, it's not that the, you that it hurts as much as that you're expecting it to hurt so much. So you kind of maybe mm -hmm. play the prevent defense when you're swinging. So I don't know. But uh, but who knows? He, he battled through. Look at the look at the finish. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive that uh, Sunday 67 to finish tie for second. Tom Kim, we saw a lot of uh, heroics, theatrics at the President's Cup last year. He won shortly after in Vegas over Patrick Cantlay. And then, like you said, little MIA, maybe, as Paul Azinger said once on the broadcast, a little sophomore slump, perhaps. But Tom Kim, a good finish at the Open. Another player who finished T2 was Jason Day. And Jason Day had a really good start to the year. He got a win, his first win since 2018. And then similar sort of MIA a little bit uh, was, I mean, golf's a hard sport. He was right. lost in the wilderness a little bit. He was 100-1 to 1 heading into this week at the Open Championship. For a guy who has battled through a lot, both on and off the golf course, how good is it to see Jason Day near the top of a major leaderboard? Well, he completes the Silver Slam. That's right. He's been the runner-up in all four majors now. I think he's the fifth player to do it. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> I think the last one I remember was uh, Louis Stays, and I think did it. But um, it's great to see him back and playing great golf. You know, it's it just I'm not sure if he has that big final gear to get over it in a, in a major championship anymore, but... Um, it's fun. He's a super nice guy, and you always like to see him play well. When he was hitting it uh, back in the day when he was winning the, won the PGA Championship and things like that, boy, it was fun to watch. Canadian Open he won. It, mm -hmm. was, it, was, it was really good to see how good he was. Well, I'll never forget that 2015 season when he goes into the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, has the vertigo, battles to a T4, goes to the Open Championship the next month at St. Andrews, leaves a 20-foot putt short in the jaws on that Monday finish. Six days later, he's making that putt to win the RBC Canadian Open at Glen Abbey, goes to the PGA Championship and wins. And, you know, obviously he, he lost his game for a little bit, but now he's back playing really good golf. So good on, uh, good on Jason Day. Before we go to break, Scotty Scheffler, who made the cut, barely, but he finishes. He did it. He finishes outside the top 12 <laughs> in a tournament, in an official tournament for the first time since week seven of the NFL season so we said on the show last week or i said on the show last week that he either was going to win or miss a cut so he's sort of now in the middle you wonder now for scotty scheffler how does he move forward here did you see any signs of frustration at all from scotty especially on the greens no, i mean not really nothing that was demonstrative other than we haven't seen already before i think that uh this is his worst finish this year at the yep. calendar year yeah 
Um, it had to happen at some point. I mean, the guy can't he's not a robot at that level at all the time. It's just unfortunate that it happened at this tournament. I don't know if his game's cut out as much for Lynx golf as it is for um, the other style of golf that we that he plays so well. I don't know. It's just uh, I think it's just a name, a, a battle of numbers. That eventually you have to have a bad week, right? Totally. And, and, it could, and it was the putter as well, but there were some other loose shots that I saw him play that you don't normally think of with Scotty Shuffler. And he got some bad breaks too. You know, he spoke at length in his pre-tournament press conference that we also played on our Wednesday preview show. How you need to avoid the bunkers, need to avoid the bunkers. Well, he hit it in some fairway bunkers, and they're essentially penalty strokes right there. Uh, so Scotty Shuffler played well on Sunday to finish T23, shot four under on Sunday, in fact. So Scotty Scheffler, the streak is over. I'm sure he'll be back in the winner's circle. Who knows, maybe uh, during one of the playoff events. On the other side, we have another Canadian heading back to the PGA Tour. We'll have his story after the break as well. 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues. All that and more coming up right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on Golf Talk Canada as we recap the Open Championship. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks and, of course, many other storylines going on in the world of golf other than the Open Championship, specifically for golf in Canada. We'll have a lot of talk about Brooke Henderson and her pursuit of her third career major championship in Hour 2, but we'll be seeing another... Canadian on the PGA Tour next season. Ben Silverman, who's had a great season on the Corn Ferry Tour, and with that, heading back to the PGA Tour in 2024. He's a great story. He was on the course of the PGA Tour once before, but uh, a guy who really didn't start playing golf till he was 16 or 17. Played at uh, Uplands here in at Toronto at Thornhill mm-hmm. area. Played there a little bit of golf, learned his golf there, and has worked exceptionally hard. Uh, every time he posts something on social media, it's him grinding either. He's Super fit, like you can't believe how fit this guy is. Super fit and uh, getting stronger, and he's working hard. So I'm really happy for Ben. He's a nice guy, and I'm glad to see that he's all the work is paying off. A win, two seconds, a couple other top ten so far this season. Ben Silverman, who has played on the PGA Tour already, he is heading back to the PGA Tour in 2024. And you could really say, as we have two more weeks in the regular season, that this is the best regular season as a whole for the PGA Tour for Canadian golfers, isn't it? I would, I would agree 100%. I mean, you look at, we've got what, four winners. You've got Adam Hadwin, almost the fifth winner in a yeah. playoff. And it just seems to me that there's, it's almost like every week that there is a Canadian in contention. It's very rare when you don't have one that's, you know, at least somewhere near the top of the leaderboard as you go into the weekend. And, and that's a lot of fun for Canadian fans. These guys are doing a great job. And as the playoffs get closer, we'll have some uh, cool content coming out about the Canadians uh, looking to make a move up the FedEx Cup playoff structure. Now, there was the Open Championship going on over the weekend. And on Saturday afternoon, you and the Z-Man had a fun opportunity with one Michael Block and our friends with Michelob. Tell us all about it. So Michelob Ultra put together a promotion where they brought Michael Block in. And I cannot say enough about what a nice person he is. 
He was on the third hole at Glen Abbey. Now, it's, it's the one that's over the pond. I know the last couple of times they had the open there, they reordered the front nine. Seventh hole, but, maybe, uh, for the, for the RBC? Yeah. Right outside the club. Yes. Yep. And yep. Uh, he had 90 shots, 90 being the number of calories in a Michelob. Ah, that's yes. why they arrived at, or ended up at 90. And they would, um, he tried to make a hole in one. 90 swings. People had, you know, could wager, not wager, they could this is the one they thought ball number that they thought it would go in the hole so every ball was numbered from one through 90 just so they knew and uh, it was a cool promotion it was fun michael block hit some that were very close i mean there was one that looked like it was going dead and if it had a little bit more speed it would have gone and just fell off to the right mm. but uh for a guy who has you know was a club pro and kind of found that magical moment during the pga championship yeah, he's dining out on it, and he's not ashamed to say it. He said, "Look, why not? Right? Why wouldn't I make take make some money?" And and he's uh, he's an entertaining guy, so I think people like being around him. He totally. And do you know how long the hole was playing? It was it was on the card at 115, but it, it was a helping wind, so it was playing like at different times. We figure somewhere between 92 and 98 yards, and he had everything from a 52 to a 60, and uh, I would say majority of the shots were with a 60. Well, you wonder too if that's sometimes almost harder to make a hole in one with that with a wedge because you really have to rely on spin control. Whether whereas a longer hole, if you're hitting let's say a seven six iron, obviously the shot is longer, so it's more challenging, but it's more of a direct line versus relying on slopes and relying on spin too. Yeah, and it was the the, the green was pretty firm. There wasn't a ton like he wasn't sucking any of them back yeah. at all, and there were. Um, there were a few that bounced pretty big, and there were a few with some gusts with the, you know. So we tried different shots. Mark actually kind of told him, he said, well, try this, try this, try this. And so he kind of took that um, <laughs> under under advisement, and uh, Mark was kind of his coach for a oh. while. But I will say that making a hole-in-one, you know, is about, I would say, maybe 60% skill and 30% luck. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing compared to the talent you need to make a double eagle. That's something completely different. Like you have albatross, right? I mean, it's just that is all skill, and that's great. No, I mean that was a that was that, so that's way harder than a hole in one, right? Way harder, and uh, and I think, uh, but I think Michael Block has said he made three previous to this, mm-hmm. and none of them in any kind of a, an event or a competition or anything like that. I, mean, I can't remember how many of you made. I have two. two. I have two, and they're both the same distance, exactly. Same club, uh, same uh, hole. Uh, so the twelfth and the eighteenth, sorry, the twelfth and the seventeenth hole at Bayview. Okay. Uh, so and they're both playing one hundred and eighty-one yards in twenty two thousand five. I used a four iron. Okay. In twenty eighteen, I used an eight iron. So wow. That's sort of how <laughs> how the bodies changed a little bit. You you have three. I have three, and I have a uh, one where I teed off in the water and reteed and put it in the cup. So it was Graham Delette. I told him I said I had four, and I explained that to him. And so Graham Delette said, "So you have three, right?" Which <laughs> <laughs> is true. I agree. Yeah. And and Mark has. I don't know. Or maybe? Like that. I yeah. think the last one I had, I think, is like 30 years ago. Yeah. It, it's, isn't, it, isn't it crazy? I mean, like for my, my mom who went through, you know, for, she played junior golf growing up and she didn't get one forever and then got three in like two years. So wow. it's just sort of, it's the way golf is sometimes and it's why we love it. I'd still love to have a double eagle. Or yeah, well, I, I mean, if, if we head back to California, we'll have to go go to the plaque at Aviara <laughs> yes, by, by the fifth right. hole. It and, be there. It and, should be there. And try to. Great moment. Yeah, man. that was so cool. Uh, well, that wraps up our one here on GTC. Maybe we'll have some more double eagle talk on the other side. But we'll kick off our two with guys who missed the cut 
at the Open Championship and what this means going forward. And we're going to really take a deep dive into Justin Thomas here because this year has just been bizarre and that continued at the Open Championship. Plus, we'll be joined by Stuart McDonald, PGA Tour Canada Ottawa Open winner, and we'll look ahead to this week's Evian Championship. Brooke Henderson, we'll look at her numbers. What's gone right this year? What's gone wrong? What needs to change? All that and more coming up in Hour 2 right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Hour 2, the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Throughout Hour 2, we're going to continue taking a look back at the Open Championship. We're going to speak with Stuart McDonald, who won yesterday on PGA Tour Canada in a four-hole playoff, I may add, at the Ottawa Open. And in that playoff was Ollie Schneiderjans. Oh, wow. Boy, there's a name from the past. Yeah. Talk about good salad on that guy, too. That guy had a great... Never wore the, never wore the hat, right? Never wore the hat. Yeah. Cost him 100000 a year. <laughs> Lots well, of endorsements. We'll, we'll talk to Stuart McDonald about uh, that playoff. We'll look ahead to the Evian Championship. Brooke Henderson defending her title this week in France. And, of course, winners, weird, and what. Uh, speaking of winners, weird, and what, and strange things going on, uh, players to miss the cut. At the Open Championship, which is always a big storyline in terms of looking at majors. We make TSN edge picks, looking at favorites, dark horses. We really like guys going into weeks, and they just don't have the week they were looking for. And one guy who hasn't had the season he was looking for is one Justin Thomas, who, after day one of the Open Championship, was in second last place. This is a guy who, who won a major. He won a major Bob last year. And now he is lost in the wilderness, 82-71. He shot even par in round two and was still 11 over par for the turn. Shot 82 with two birdies on the card. <laughs> I've done that. And a nine. And a nine. I've also done that. And, and that, was the, that was the bunker on the 18th hole where right. he had to play it sideways. But, I mean, overall, we've seen this happen with, you know, Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and now Jason Day, too. And Justin Thomas is in that same... Sort of category. What do you think of, of what's going on with JT? You know, what's amazing to me is that um, he won a major last year. Yeah. And this is the other guys you just mentioned. It was sort of a, I won't say it's, it's a easing into decline, but it was sort of not quite this jar, jaw-dropping suddenly, my gosh, where's my game gone? Mm-hmm. And and for Justin Thomas, I, I don't know what to, to make of it because he's he's all over the place and, and there's just nothing that seems to be working for him no matter what he tries. I mean, he's He's tried a few different things um, in terms of clubs and putters mm-hmm. and things like that, but I, I don't know where where you start. 
at this one other than um, maybe <laughs> right at the start again. Like, you just got to kind of go back to the beginning and piece it all together. I mean, the putting has been horrendous. Yeah. That's been one of the big parts. But uh, it's just so sudden and so freaky to me. Yeah, and, I mean, his dad is a swing coach. I don't think he's yeah. going to fire his dad. No. <laughs> I, I don't really see that being a thing, but he's 158th in strokes gain putting on the season, JT is. Right now, 75th in the FedEx Cup standings. Now, normally, before this season, with two weeks left in the regular season, he'd be panicked, but he wouldn't be, you know, he'd still be in the playoff picture. But now... The qualification has changed dramatically where it's only the top 70 in the field. And JT is, again, in the field this week at the 3M because he he has to be, which this is uncharted territory for Justin Thomas. It really is. I mean, you know he wants to make this. You know he wants to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. You know he wants um, to try and move himself up. I mean, even if he gets into the first week, that's an achievement because you're in the top 70. I think it goes to 50. 70, 50, 30, yeah. So, um he may not make it to 50, but if he gets in 70, at least it's a little bit of a sign that there's light at the end of the, this uh, this tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know where this came from or how it just suddenly fell off. Like it was just all of a sudden, boom, he's off the cliff. Well, we know he'll have exemptions into the majors for the next four seasons after this one, given he just had uh, he won the major last year. That leads to a five-year exemption. But, you know, making the playoffs leads to designated event exemptions. Who knows what the schedule is going to look like next year? It's still a a bit of a guessing game uh, with that. But Justin Thomas, yeah, something needs to change. And, you know, Bones Mackay has been on the bag. You wonder if he's dealing with an injury, but he's still playing golf and playing a lot of golf. I did notice his hand, his wrist was taped up, which I don't seem to recall mm-hmm. having that from him before. But that was one thing that I kind of noticed that uh, was quietly going on under his sleeve. Yeah, and I've seen him as well with uh, the tape on his neck. Yeah. I've seen that in the past as well. So anyway, Justin Thomas, 75th in the FedEx Cup standings and... Depending on his week this week, we'll have much more on JTS. His quest to make the playoffs continues here as the PGA Tour season, just two weeks remaining in the regular season. Someone else who's had a rather puzzling season is Colin Morikawa. This is a guy who missed the cut this past week at the Open Championship, who had a big lead at the Century Tournament of Champions the first week of January, coughed that up to John Rahm, and since then it's sort of been, meh. How would you... What would you make of Morikawa's week and season overall? Well, he missed it on the number, yeah. so it's not quite as dramatic as right. something what John uh, Justin Thomas did. But I do think that there's question marks about his putting uh, again. Like he's what lost the 123rd stroke <laughs> team putting. So again, um, I think I think his game was built around such a great iron player and so such a precision guy that if you're not finishing the those parts of your game off, you can hit a close, but if you're missing a putt, it's a little bit like what Rory's going through mm-hmm. at certain times, that you kind of wonder, um, what, is it, what does it take? What do I need to do to try and write this? And it's probably not much. You know, you sink one or one putt, more putt around, and it could go a long way, but it's not the Colin Morikawa we've seen uh, over the last couple of years when he jumped onto the tour and won the Open Championship as part of a gaggle of wins that he's had. And so he won the Open Championship in 21, played on the U.S. Ryder Cup team, in 2021, my U.S. Ryder Cup standings are currently not refreshing right now, so I, I tell you where he is in the standings. But I, I really I can't find it here. Uh, it's just not refreshing. But given these two guys who were on the last U.S. Ryder Cup team, were on the last U.S. Presidents Cup team, Brian Harmon really literally came out of nowhere to win the Open Championship. 
We talked about this with Mark, but this U.S. Ryder Cup team could look really, really different. Well, you know, another guy who missed the cut and by a long shot this week was one of the guys who's been the best player. DJ. Time. DJ, I mean, he's nowhere right now. He is just right. I, you know, I'd like to tell you how he's doing, but, you know, they don't have a lot of good stats from Liv, so you can't right. really put that into perspective. Uh, but that was a big miss as well. I didn't think, not even so much what he did, but I think he missed it. Like, I think he was 11 over for... He was 81 in, in round two. He, d- yeah. he didn't, couldn't crack uh, the 80 mark there, yeah, for DJ. DJ, there he is. Yeah, he's, he's plus 13. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who would have thought that Zach Johnson would have been the low Johnson? Yeah, that's right. right? Exactly right. And uh, so Zach Johnson, the Ryder Cup captain, finishes T50. Five. Uh, in terms of Canadians, we had two Canucks in the field. Corey Connors struggled on Sunday, dropping. He was five over on Sunday, and he finished T52. But for Nick Taylor, misses the cut. And, I mean, you know, this was his really, it was his first appearance at the Open Championship. So, I mean, given both these guys finished T19 at the Scottish Open, the wave of where, where you tee off the first two rounds, that's always a big storyline heading into the Open. But do you take anything from these two finishes? Not a huge part. I mean, I think, you know, for Nick, this is, he does not have a lot of Lynx experience. And, yeah. and the Renaissance, as they call it, the Renaissance Club, uh, where they play the Scottish Open, wasn't really, it was Lynxy, but not a Lynx yeah. course, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't take a lot of that. I think there's a big bit of a difference in that from what they played at uh, Liverpool. Um, Corey has, I thought Corey would have been a good player. I thought, I always, I always thought the two majors he'd do the best at would be the British and the or the Open Championship and the U.S. Open, and those are the ones he's done the least well yeah. at. Uh, just because of the precision off the tee, I thought he'd be able to kind of go through that, but um, not so much. And then and, and Nick Taylor was, again, I don't know if he's still kind of uh, trying to figure the, the, the world out at this point, exactly what's going on after that big win. He's been rushed around. He's been moving on. He's got a new baby. There's a lot going on. He had the baby with him on the over there. They had the family over there. So uh, I think he's he's uh, he'll he'll do better the next time if he when he plays in the Open Championship. Well, one thing I do know is that that 72 foot putt was really hurt around the world because he played <laughs> with Phil Mickelson the first two rounds, and uh, apparently Nick was uh, he was very complimentary about what Phil was tell, telling him about that putt into winning your National Open on home soil. Uh, pretty cool, you know. For you know, they had to spend a bunch of time together, given their walk in fairways for two right. days. But for Phil to you know compliment him on that, that's that's pretty big for for someone like that to compliment a player like Nick Taylor uh, to get that done. Nick is uh, going to be in town next week. Oh. We're going to have a little. Uh, we're going to have a little re- recap of his oh. uh, of his big putt. On, Learning uh, things uh, here. Yes, really. Right. So there's okay. things going on this week, and uh, we'll be interested to see how it goes. Okay, this might be a conversation for a commercial break here coming up. <laughs> Speaking of great Canadians doing well, on the other side, Stuart McDonald going to join the show. He won the Ottawa Open yesterday on PGA Tour Canada. He joins us next. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully and Bob Weeks alongside. Well, last week on the show, we had a full preview of the PGA Tour Canada's Ottawa Open because Claude Giroux 
of the Ottawa Senators was playing. Did you, did you just say because? I may have made up a word there. It sounds like the teleprompter wasn't working in here. Trying to do because and Claude together. <laughs> yeah, because. Anyway, so uh, Claude Giroux shot seventy nine eighty. Really, wow. seventy nine eighty for Claude Giroux. That's impressive. That's impressive because, as we know. You know, there's no max. There's no double bogey. There's no, ah, I'll just meet you at the turn here. Right. No. 79-80. No. And uh, he was not last place. There were one, two, three, four guys who withdrew, and he did not finish in last place. So Claude Giroux, yep. good for him. But the guy who finished in first place was Stuart McDonald, who now joins us on the line after winning in a four-hole playoff at the Ottawa Open. Stuart, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so walk us through what the playoff was like to get that victory. Uh, yeah, it was exciting. Uh, four holes. We played 18 twice, went to nine, and then played 18 again. Um, started out with three of us, and um, luckily I was the last one standing. And, um, yeah, made a couple birdies on the first two playoff holes on 18. Um also made birdie in regulation on 18 to get into the playoffs. Um, on a third playoff hole, I, I hit it tight. I had like about a six six footer on on hole nine to to steal the deal and and lift out. Didn't get it done there, but um, was able to get it down on the on the fourth try on 18. So yeah, pretty thrilled about it. Hey, Stuart's Bob Weeks here. Good to hear from you and congratulations. What does it mean for you? To get that win, your your first PGA Tour sanctioned win on Canadian soil. Yeah, it means a lot. Um, it means a lot. Like, you know, winning winning mini tour events, it, it you know it takes it, you know it takes a lot, but it it just doesn't mean nearly as much, really. Uh, it doesn't advance your career like like winning a sanctioned tour event uh, does. So, um, yeah, no, it means a lot. It's the biggest win of my career, I would say, and. Um, yeah, yeah, it was an amazing week. Well, you we mentioned four playoff holes. By the time it was all said and done, what was the daylight situation like? <laughs> it was getting late. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was starting to get there. Uh, I was thinking, you know, of course, I'm thinking worst case, worst case scenario, but um, I was like, geez, like that would really suck to have to come back Monday morning to finish a playoff hole. We better get this done at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was getting dark. Now I know you've been uh, I know you've been playing in in uh, Latino America tour and you've played up here obviously before but uh, what's what's your schedule been like this year leading into this win? Um, yeah, it's been a lot of travel for me. Uh, I played eight events on the Latin America tour, um, so obviously a lot of travel and you know playing South America. Um, and then this is my second uh, second PGA Tour Canada event. Uh, obviously, I played one PGA Tour event RBC. Um, one corn fairy event. So I've been I've been uh, covering a lot of ground the last the last six months. Um, but I'll, I'll be finishing out uh, likely finishing out the season here um, on the on PGA Tour Canada and um, going from there. Well, you talked about the 18th hole and your birdies. You know, you have three birdies in the playoff, birdie in regulation. You go to the ninth hole, you miss a birdie putt. This sounds a lot like Nick Taylor's win at the RBC Canadian Open. Stu, what do you remember from uh, from that week and how special it was to see a fellow Canadian get it done on the PGA Tour in that way? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, just unbelievable. I can't even imagine uh, how Nick was feeling after he saw that putt going on 18. Um, 
and I had a I had a similar length putt in regulation on eighteen. And I was just thinking, you know, <laughs> this would be very Nick Taylor asking if I could roll in the seventy footer to to seal the deal. But um, yeah, no, that was a that was amazing for Nick to watch, and that was a really cool week for sure. You know, at the Canadian Open this year, prior to that moment, it was a little calmer. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe. I was talking with a couple of Canadian guys, and, and um, the question turned to who's going to be the next Canadian to, to, to make a move and get up onto the PGA Tour and do that. We know Ben Silverman's going to be up there next year, but the, the names that they all mentioned was yours. And, and how, oh, yeah. do you, how do you feel about where you are right now with your career and, and the next step or the steps that it'll take you to get to the PGA Tour? Yeah, I just think I just keep on trending, uh, just getting a little better every year. Um, I think I've had a lot of really good experiences this year. Experiences this year. Um, you know, I've had a lot of chances to win. Uh, just been there on the backside on Sunday a few times this year, and I've learned a lot. I haven't gotten it done in the past, um, but just learned a lot um, just through, yeah, you know, just putting myself in the situation. So, um yeah, I like where I'm at. I, I, you know, like I said, I just keep on getting a little better every day, every year. And, um, you know, if we stay on that track, I, you know, I think I like where we're headed. We're with Stuart McDonald, PGA Tour Canada, Ottawa Open winner. And whenever we have the winners from PGA Tour Canada on the show, I always ask what it's like when they pull out the phone for the first time after the victory, see some of the calls, texts they've received, but uh, you received, uh, or you called your your wife, Carly, and I know it's a very exciting time here for you and your wife here going forward with a baby on the way. What was that conversation like? Uh, yeah, she was, she was, uh, she was crying when I called her. I think she just, she knows how much, how much it means to, to me and her, you know, she's, she's seen it all. She's seen the, she's seen the good times and the, and the tough times and, yeah, I think she just knows how hard it is um, to win and, you know, just to be, you know, in a generally stable mindset playing golf. Uh, but she was super happy, and, um, yeah, she was thrilled. Uh, you described in, in the post-round press conference, you said that you used the description, she's very pregnant. <laughs> how, yeah. how will that uh, impact your tour schedule for the next little while? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, due date's in four weeks. Um, so we got two more next uh, playing the next two weeks, and then we have two weeks off. So the baby's scheduled to come in those two weeks off. So that would be, if that happened, uh, that would be ideal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we'll see if we can arrange that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, uh, yeah, just on kind of on call until then. <laughs> No, totally. And, you know, with this win, you moved from 124th to 6th in the Fortinet Cup standing. So, I mean, obviously you've got this very exciting personal time coming up here. But how does this victory change your expectations solely on the golf course here as we move ahead for the rest of the summer? Yeah, you know, I wasn't really – I don't think I was planning on playing um, a full season up here. I just wanted to play a few events. Um, but obviously now that I've won, I'm kind of in a situation where – Obviously, that top five is going to be really attainable. Um, so, yeah, going to going to stick it out playing on this tour for the rest of the summer, I think. And um, obviously, that yeah, that top five spot's looking good. So, um, just going to keep going for that. There you go. Well, Stuart, uh, congratulations not only on the win but the baby on the way. That's just so exciting. For you, congratulations on the dub. Enjoy, and hopefully we'll have you on again later in the season if you pick up another victory on PGA Tour Canada. Thanks for your time.
Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Cheers. That was Stuart McDonald, the latest champion on PGA Tour Canada. Great story. He's, he's a super nice guy, super talented guy, and he has got a really pure swing. If you ever see it, it's on. he posts a lot of stuff up on uh, social media, and it's, I love his swing. It's, I did a little event with him out in Cabot Links a few years ago, mm. and, man, it was nice to see. And it's cool to see, you know, hard work paying off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of travel. Like, we, we watch these players on PGA Tour, you know, week in, week out, go to these upscale, these great golf courses, you expect them to be living this high roller life, really, <laughs> off the golf course. Then you have players trying to make it, make their way up here. And it's cool to hear stories like that. And the personal side, too, with his wife with a baby on the way in a couple of weeks to, to have a success story like this. Yeah, you sort of wonder and sit there if the baby isn't done by that four-week period. When it doesn't come and you sit there, does he sit there and say, you know what, do I miss the baby's birth and go back? And that's something that a lot of golfers have. I remember... There's been some some talk about that over the years, and uh, who was it who left the Canadian Open one time? That was Hunter Mahan. Yeah, he was leading the Canadian Open. Yeah. Right. Hunter Mahan left the Canadian Open to go back for the baby. Yeah. Um, and I remember having a talk with uh, another PGA Tour player. I won't say his name mm-hmm. because it might not be fair, but mm-hmm. he said, you know, in my situation, he was sort of a journeyman, I guess. Yep. Well, he said, I don't know if I would have done that. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, good congratulations uh, for Stuart McDonald. Uh, next up, Osprey Valley Open for PGA Tour Canada. And coming up on television and radio this week, we're going to be joined by Micah Morris, who is a YouTube sensation, YouTube star. I had a chance to speak with him last week. He is it's sort of this new age of golf now, where you know he's got four hundred thousand subscribers on youtube he's got uh, three hundred and seventy five thousand followers on instagram and he was actually at the tailor-made kingdom the day after we were there okay because i remember uh, chris trott and the tailor-made boy showing us where he had to line up on the range at the kingdom because he was hitting balls over the fence oh my gosh so they, they had to line him up on one side, and he had to hit diagonally. And you could see his footprints where he was turning because this guy flies at 340 pretty easily. I remember they, I know they've had to raise the fence at that, at that driving range a couple times already. They may have to do it again mm-hmm. having him back. And I believe he's actually he's in Toronto now. I think he's going to be at the TaylorMade uh, facilities here in the GTA a little later today. So Micah Morris going to join us on, uh, on Golf Talk Canada, both television Tuesday and Wednesday and radio on Wednesday morning well on the other side our favorite time of the show winners weird and what it's a major no shortage of bizarre going on both on social media and on the golf course from good luck charms from birds perhaps to much more we'll have winners weird and what next this segment of gtc presented by picton mahoney asset management was brought to you by cobble beach georgian bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Coming up in our next segment, we're taking a look at Brooke Henderson's chances to defend her title. It's a major this week on the LPGA Tour, the Evian Championship. Brooke looking for major victory number three. It'd be her second victory on the season 
do. But as we always do, generally at around 11.30 on Monday mornings, we do Winners Weird and What. And this week, Bob, the tea is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, well, I'm going to take a little uh, time away from the Open Championship yeah. here and uh, give some, some props to Elena Sharp, who uh, the veteran LPGA Tour player who last week teamed up. They had a team event on the LPGA Tour, and she teamed up with Sarah Kemp. And the two of them, she's an Australian girl, Sarah Kemp, by the way, they named their team Maple Might after like, like Vegemite. Yeah, so, I like it. Um, but they had a really nice finish. They finished up in eighth place, which is... The best LPGA Tour finish for uh, for Elena since 2019. So big props to Elena. She kind of fell off with her game a little bit, lost her privileges, but has been fighting back and has had some really good finishes this year. She also won the uh, PGA of Canada Championship, Women's mm-hmm. Championship, came up and won that in Kingsville. And she's doing some good things on the um, Epson Tour as yeah. well. So I'm really hoping that maybe with this all this combined together that she can get herself back on full-time on the LPGA Tour next year. And she's been very vocal about some of the challenges she has gone through both on and off the golf course, too. So good on her for being open about that, and good on her for playing some great golf. Too. Yeah. That's a great story. Really awesome. All right, we t- dealt a lot with Brian Harmon this week, and uh, one of the interesting things that he said in his post-round press conference was how he was going to celebrate the win. Now, there are a couple things he was going to do. First of all, he sort of said he was going to drink some Guinness out of the Claret Jug. I'm not sure if that's the... Usually you're supposed to drink wine out of it, but right. I think beer will go in there. I'm not sure how many Guinness will fit in there. I know, I think uh, 34 uh, beers fit yeah. into the, uh, the Wanamaker Trophy, but that's a big bowl. Anyway, <laughs> but the big thing he said was when he when he's gets home, what he is going to do yeah. is he's going to get on his tractor and cut the grass. Mm-hmm. He said, this is, of course, all the people over the, uh, the British press was going, what? Mm-hmm. And he actually said he didn't want to tell his wife he had a good event a couple of weeks ago. He had a big finish with a good check, and he said he didn't want to tell his wife how much he spent on this lawnmower. Well, it's not a lawnmower. It's a tractor, and I guess he's got a big spread. He said basically what happens is he puts on the headphones, turns his phone off, and he goes out there, and he's alone for like three or four hours. And he said this is like the best thing he's going to have. I, wow. What a way to celebrate your, your championship. I what? would be doing it a little differently. I'd be doing it a little differently, too. I believe we actually have that clip uh, for Brian Harmon talking about okay. this unique way of celebrating the Open. I did. Uh, I had a nice week a couple of weeks ago, and I bought a new tractor for my hunting place. So I'll get home, and I'll be on the tractor uh, mowing grass uh, in the next week. I'll be very excited about that. So that's going to be your reward. You're going to ride your tractor. Yeah, I might take a whole day and just just put my phone away and go get on the tractor. I'm a little bit lost because I've never known an open champion celebrate by mowing grass on a tractor. That's I got quite... a lot of layers, man. I'm like an onion. <laughs> it's a 105 horse Kubota tractor, and it's. It's going to be a pretty one. I haven't told my wife how much I spent on it. So. I'm like an onion. <laughs> yeah, I got many layers. Like a, like a blooming onion. <laughs> anyway, that's just great. I love that story from Brian Harmon. What a guy. And then uh, my what this week is, uh, hey, what a week for the lefties. Oh, I know. Because not only did Brian Harmon win, but actually Batia won yep. on uh, the PGA opposite event, the Barracuda Championship, to uh, the man with the skinniest legs in golf. And he uh, captured his first PGA Tour victory, and great for him. Now we always all we need is like uh, somebody on the Champions Tour, and we mm-hmm. need. It's not. I don't think.
lefties on the LPGA tour. Not officially right now for a long time. So, uh, but great, great win for uh, for him. For actually, he's a uh, really good up and coming golfer now. Cements his place as a full time PGA Tour player with that victory. By the way, so. Nice to see him doing well. Nice to see him doing well, and uh, credit our friend uh, Justin Ray, who put out a tweet saying it's the first time two lefties have won on the PGA Tour on the same day, and I don't think <laughs> we'll be seeing that ever again. I, I was just going to say, that wasn't. That, I would have bet a lot of money that that would have been the first time that that happened. Imagine imagine but, the odds for that parlay before the start of the week. Oh, yeah. Would have been something else. Anyway, uh, uh, and yeah, and, and um, Brian Harmon becomes the fifth major winner as a lefty, yep. which is pretty cool as yep. well. All right, Adam, the T is yours. 348. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. I actually had to give you a shout out on SportsCenter last night, Bob, because oh, we played the clip for about Harmon talking about having a pint out of the Claire jug. And I, I said, well, on Golf Talk Canada, Bob and I said <laughs> what one pint would go in. But yeah, a, a pint of Guinness in that. It, I mean, like the, the whole actually drink of it out of it's not Massive? Well, there, it takes so long for the foam to go down. Exactly. You know, I like them, but you yeah. got to know how to pour them. You can't exactly throw the nose grease in there. I, I, <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't think that would really go too well. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, my winner this week is uh, the Open Championship social feed because on YouTube, heading into the week, the amount of content that they put out, not only behind the scenes, but during practice rounds, that sort of thing, we saw galleries that seemed to triple anything we saw at LACC for the U.S. Open. We saw that behind the scenes. They were live streaming practice rounds. This is the next age of golf. You know, I talked about Micah Morris joining our show on Wednesday. A lot of people now tune into YouTube golf. And for the Open Championship, good on them for modernizing themselves and doing this like that. that this it's, way. Uh, and they have come a long way because I can tell you, in covering the event over the years, it has been one of the more uh, slower tournaments to mm-hmm. sort of catch up in the, in the modern age. And I remember one person telling me, he said, well, you got to remember that the RNA is run by, this is, this is way back, uh, RNA is run by a bunch of old men who read five newspapers a day because they still love their newspapers over in the UK, of course. But full credit to them. They've really come a long way. Yeah, they certainly have. And sure, it's hard to find some stats sometimes. But hey, good on them for the YouTube channel, their social feeds. This was awesome. Okay, so we know we're playing the Open Championship, the Scottish Open. Generally, it'll rain. Some wind and you'll need a rain jacket maybe a poncho of sword maybe a bucket hat maybe not a poncho actually but if you're maybe if you're a fan but uh, Saith Tagala was asked because he was on the range and he didn't have a jacket on he was just going regular golf shirt no jacket the rain was coming down and he was interviewed he was asked why don't you wear a rain jacket and he said oh it's and he talked about like it wasn't too thick the swing wasn't getting in the way it was the sound the jacket makes when he takes the club back. That's why he's not wearing a rain jacket. I mean, come on, dude. You're going to get wet. I, the sound. Invest in another rain jacket. I was, I, this was unbelievable. <laughs> well, at least he had a rain jacket. I could tell you a funny story. Yeah. Uh, David Hearn qualified at the John Deere Classic one time to, to get in to the Open Championship, the last tournament before he can go in. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a rain jacket. He borrowed my rain jacket. No way! <laughs> that was the only thing he had. But the sound, like what? I don't even. I couldn't even tell you what the sound, what the sounds like. Yeah. Well, like, he says he sort of shifts back in his backswing, so it's like I don't know if that's sort of the weird sound that. You buy some earplugs. 
Yeah, throw some AirPods in, Zayeth. I don't know. Try something different. But, hey, that was one of the weirdest things I've, <laughs> I've ever heard in a press in any sort of interview. The sound a rain jacket makes. By the way, was uh, was your jacket a little small on her and Z? Or? <laughs> no, I had a bigger jacket that okay. time, so it was okay, okay. for him. He's okay. a bigger, not too much bigger than me. No, okay, okay. Had to. Anyway, my what this week, first round. Victor Hovland, he's in the fairway. He's lining up his shot. He's talking over to the number with his caddy. Got, got, he has an iron out. And he feels something on his right arm. Something was out of the sky. Decided to, um, how do I say this kindly? Uh, something just happened to fall on his arm. <laughs> it's good luck. Some would call it good luck. But uh, this was interesting. Unfortunately, Hovland didn't have the weekend he wanted. Still finished T13 at the Open. But have you ever had uh, a bird uh, do this kind of thing to you, Bob? <laughs> We have an ultimate, uh, an amazing story at the Players' Championship one year in this little scrum area where all the media gather and the players come in and they talk to you afterwards. And uh, this heron, there was a little pond nearby, and this heron came in like a dive bomber. Everybody in the area saw it. Everyone's going, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. And he did. He dropped one, or she dropped one. And guess who got smoked? Not me. Producer Jamie Rydell. There There is a picture of him. Where his arm, <laughs> I mean, this is a big bird. Right. <laughs> he got covered. Big meal bugs. beforehand, clearly. Try and uh, post it up on social media. Maybe we'll do that for our show this That's week. That's a great but, idea. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, I've never personally had that. My car uh, yeah. many times has uh, gone through that uh, good luck charm, so to speak. But for <laughs> Victor Hovland, a uh, 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 mic caught his, uh, his exact words. We're not going to say that. We're not going to print that on the screen at all right now. But uh, Victor Hovland, this was uh, certainly an interesting moment at the Open Championship. Okay, on the other side, we're going to do some leaderboard updates, and we're going to have our first preview of the Evian Championship this week, where, yes, Brooke Henderson defending her major title. What can we expect from Brooke Henderson? A couple of missed cuts coming into this week but 13 straight finishes of top 25 or better at the majors. We'll discuss Brooke Henderson's chances this week next. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up this morning's edition of golf talk canada adam scully alongside bob week well of course the open championship is now behind us leaderboard updates are brought to you by bushnell golf the number one range finder in the world of golf check out bushnellgolf.com for much more on bushnell's latest products on the pga tour of course akshay batia a winner brian Harmon, a winner uh, on the LPGA Tour. It was a team event at the Doe Great Lakes Bay Invitational where Cheyenne Knight and Elizabeth Zokel took it took the title, a one-shot victory for them. Brooke Henderson missed the cut with Lexi Thompson, and that's where we're going to pick up our conversation <laughs> here 
because this week it's the Evian Championship, another major on the LPGA. And for Brooke Henderson, this is a special week as she's defending her title at yeah. the Evian. And what are your what are your fun what are your memories looking back? Because this was early in the morning, given it wasn't France or isn't France. And last year, I specifically remember being out of town. Actually, I was on a vacation and I was in Comox, BC, and we didn't have TV, didn't have cable. <laughs> and I was actually refreshing your Twitter feed, trying oh. to find out <laughs> because the time changed. It was so early in the morning. But looking back, what are your memories of um, that week? Well, it was sort of a dramatic finish. She sort of had it there and then almost let it off the hook and then sunk a really big, I think like a 12 or 15-foot birdie putt in the last hole. Yep. And, uh, and then I remember there was a scramble to try and connect with the LPGA people over there and try and arrange the one-on-one interview that we usually get with the winners of these tournaments. And uh-huh. it did sort of play out in, in weird fashion. But um, this, is the, uh, this is the least of the five majors on the LPGA Tour. No dis- disrespect meant. But it is not the one that is the, the highest of profile of the ones. It's played on a golf course every year in Evian, France, and it's not the greatest, not really major caliber golf. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of low scores, and you have to kind of go low on this one. But it's still a major. It still counts, and Brooks still has the, the, uh, the, the designation as defending champion. As she come in, I think 46 of the top 50 on the Rolex rankings are in the field this week. So I think uh, this would be a nice week for her to break out. We know... And we've had this discussion about what a sort of up-and-down year it's been. She got the win out of the gate, hasn't had another top 10. As you just mentioned, she missed the cut last week, although it's a team event, mm-hmm. so you don't know how much to put into that. Uh, her and Lexi played together. But um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a start of a – like the, they play this one, and then in two weeks they play the Open Championship, the Women's Open Championship. So there's two big, big major championships in the next little bit for them to uh, – to kind of deal with. And this is coming off a very busy stretch too with the KPMG and the U.S. Women's Open in a three-week stretch as well. So it's a, a lot of majors jam-packed together. And I, I took a look at some of Brooks' numbers and how they compare to last year. So Green's in regulation right now. She's 27th on the LPGA Tour. Last year, she was 5th. Scoring average, this year she's 26th. Last year, she was 4th. Wow. Driving accuracy, this year she's 78th. Last year, 31st. Putts per Green's in regulation, this year 56th. Last year, 17th. Hmm. So a lot of different parts of her game just aren't firing the same way as they did last year. But she's coming in with this incredible, consistent run at the majors. I mean, 13 straight finishes of top 25 or better at majors, quite simply, is remarkable. It is pretty stunning, really, in in, uh, in a tournament uh, atmosphere as, as tough as these ones are and as many good players as there are on the LPGA Tour. You know, there's more, I think there's more chance you, there's like a winner of someone you don't really know uh, winning a major championship on the women's side than on the men's side. We had, you know, Brian Harmon is a little bit of an unheralded guy, um, but you go back and see uh, Sarah Popoff who won uh, the Open Championship a couple of years mm. ago, sort of not even an LPGA Tour member, which was which was pretty remaz- remarkable. So they're going to go the Evian Championship, then they got the Scottish Open, then they got the Women's Open, and then they've got the uh, World ISP Handa World Invitational, which is a new event that's being put on, believe it or not, by Niall Horan's company. Oh, golf company. and then they fly back across the world from Northern Ireland to Vancouver for the Shaughnessy <laughs> to Shaughnessy for the uh, CPKC. We've got to call it Women's Open. So it's a busy, as you said, a busy, busy stretch for these players. It certainly is, and you know, for Brooke Henderson. Three career top tens at this tournament. 
highlighted, of course, by the victory last year. It's I've asked you this a thousand times on this show, but I mean, what, what can you expect from Brooke Henderson given she has a win in zero top tens since then? Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's hard to sort of figure out where Brooke is with her game right now. She doesn't. She sort of downplays it. She says, you know, well, I'll have another good week, and she'll take the positive, sort of like a la Rory we were talking about earlier in the mm-hmm. show, where she says, well, you know, I've had great finishes here in the past. I'm, I've, I've had a bunch of good finishes this year. It's not been that bad. I've got a win. You know, I'm I'm whatever she is on her. <laughs> uh, what well, she got one seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars in the bank. She's not that far off. Seventeenth in the CME. Yeah. Ranking, you know. The stats and the numbers are decent, except that our expectations for what Brooke can do and what Brooke we've seen her do is uh, is just very different than what she's been able to perform as this year. And it seems like you know she had that very solid finish at the U.S. Women's Open, and just didn't she didn't have her best stuff. No, like it was a lot of grinding, you know, especially you know ball striking, you know, only hitting seven eight greens in regulation, which is just so unlike Brooke Henderson. But uh, I'm curious to see uh, how she fares. This week and on Golf Talk Canada Television tomorrow evening when it first airs and then throughout the day on Wednesday too. We're going to take a look back at last year on what an impressive performance it was, and you know no other Canadian player can say they've won two professional major championships. So Brooke Henderson has done that, and she's Canada's greatest ever Canadian professional golfer. We'll have much more on Brooke Henderson as the week progresses. The Evian Championship as well a special edition of Speed Golf which will air on SportsCenter and TSN.ca maybe a day early, maybe not. You'll have to wait and see and tune in to SportsCenter to find out all about that. Now, we know 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the summer here on Golf Talk Canada, and because this past week was a major week, Bob, we had not one, not two, but three, three prizes this week. Wow. First place, set of irons, Stealth or Stealth HD, your choice. Second place, silver medal, Stealth 2 Plus Driver. Wow. Third place, Spider GTX putter. Holy smokes, that's a good, good uh, haul for somebody. And for somebody's for somebody's for those who won. Stay tuned to our social media page because we're going to put out a graphic on the winners, and you'll have to stay tuned because uh, some pretty cool prizes. Stealth irons. That's what I got in the bag. You can win the irons that <laughs> Bob Weeks uses. Not my irons. His my own irons. Iron science. No, his not. His not actual own irons. But have, <laughs> have you actually played much golf at all, Bob? I know we. I've played less left. golf this year than I played in a long time. Okay. And just, just circumstances. I've only played, I think, twelve rounds maybe this year. Oh, Went out again today for a little nine with pops, yep. as I usually do on Monday. He Monday last week. Oh, I love that. Ninety-one, by the way. He shot forty-one, and I shot forty-three with a triple on the last hole. <laughs> What are the fan duel odds on, yeah. on, on your pops against I don't you? know. They might be better on him going the rest of the, the year. I'm I, struggling a little bit. I gotta I gotta get some help maybe when you've got some you've been working with somebody and you're getting some help. That's right, yeah. Our guy Shaheen, who yeah. has done uh, many, many, many online lessons and he coaches guys like Stephen Ames, Kevin Chappell, a lot of other guys. Uh, he's actually gonna join us on Golf Talk Canada next week. Nice. Where uh, he'll tell you all about how he has got to where he is and it's quite a unique process. All it took for me was a FaceTime and a pair of AirPods and he he changed my grip, which I've never had anyone change my grip ever. We'll have much more on that as we move on. But we're now out of time, Bob. Thanks for a great morning. Thank you. We'll see you all again tomorrow night on TSN for our first Open Championship recap, Evian Championship preview show, and we're back here on TSN 1050 Wednesday at 10 a.m. Thanks so much for joining us, and remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. 
This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.